Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. Here is your host, Tom Verbrugge. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome back to Drone Business Talk. Uh, it's already the second episode uh, today, and I'm very happy with our guests of today. Uh, today, I'm joined by Mr. Robin Koch and Mr. Vincent Sepeng. They are the, respectively the CEO and the CFO of Premier Mapping Africa. Premier, they are based in Pretoria, South Africa, and they are mainly active in the mapping and the surveying business. They started, hold on, 37 years ago after having uh, mapped and surveyed with traditional equipment. They moved into manned aviation later on, and they actually already uh, experimented with drones in 1984. Robin will tell us more about that. Uh, they are now a company with about 10 drone pilots, four manned aviation pilots. They operate 30 drones, all in the Southern African uh, region. Um, very excited to hear about Premier Mapping. Welcome, uh, Robin and Vincent. How, how are you guys doing? Hi, Tom. Nice to meet you. Nice to be here. Yeah, no, it's all good, Tom. Uh, it's good to, to join um, the program. Okay, very nice, very nice. Um, Robin, can you tell us a little bit more? Because the, really the introduction was uh, when we had our chat before, before uh, coming on, on, uh, on the podcast, we had, a, we had a chat about the history and it's really very intriguing. You guys already started in 1983 and if I'm not mistaken, even earlier. Yes, that's correct. It, it is a family business. My father started the business in, in the mid-60s in, in Zimbabwe, and then he moved down to South Africa in the late 60s, uh, following his career as a surveyor into Pretoria, and he worked at a couple of aerial survey companies in the early six, or early 70s, and he eventually went on, on to serve work by himself from in the mid-70s where he worked as a, as a ground surveying team for the aerial survey companies. And he did a lot of the ground control, traditional ground control leveling and controlling of aerial survey. And then in 83, we eventually purchased our first uh, stereo plotter, which was a Kern uh, PG3 stereo plotter from Switzerland. And that was the first um, Kern stereo plotter of uh, Kern uh, PG3 stereo plotter in, in Africa, actually, as far as I understood. And from there, we had that for, we, we ended up with quite a few stereo plotters, volts, uh, A8s, A10s, uh, B8s, I think, if I remember correctly. We eventually had about eight or nine stereo plotters up until the mid, uh, the early 90s. And then we converted to the digital era where we were then stereo editing or digitally from the stereo cameras. And we evolved then obviously to light on all the other facets of life in aerial server over the last 20 or 30 years, but we, we went heavily into aerial survey from about 83. And, and, and your, your first drone uh, or, or unmanned air vehicle was a balloon. That's correct. Yeah, we experimented in the mid 80s. I was a very young little boy on the farm out in the countryside where my old man would use um, uh, weather balloons and we would attach the Hasselblad cameras to that. And we would then with different rigging systems move the balloon across areas and then do photogrammetric mapping and then we put it through a very small stereo plot also from Volta, I forget its name offhand and um, then we were able to actually stereo map with 
old uh, with very small format cameras at the time and it, yeah we did that for we did about 20 or 30 projects like that it just proved to be uh, ineffective when it came to managing the balloon technology and the, and the and the radio controlled sort of orientation we weren't that familiar with it at the time so we never went further into it i see and and, and now the step towards the uh, I think around 2012, you told me the first time you, you really started adopting the modern uh, drone technology. What kind of equipment was that then? We started with our own home build type drones where we were making Y6s with the big mounts using the DJI uh, Wukongs and, and the Natsa sort of setups. And we eventually progressed to the Pixhawk te technology. And then obviously with DJI bringing out the technology they were we eventually evolved to just them, but we're still developing our own fixed wings. Where we've had a, we've had quite a few different ones. We we have a local guy that's been manufacturing our our Delta wings for the last few years, and then we've now moved to building our own VTOL drones, which are large format drones. And we our focus with our large formats is for specifically survey. We are a survey company, and the idea is to start moving large format cameras into drones and have VTOL sort of solutions for them. So it's simplistic to, 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 to take off and land. You don't need large runways. And then obviously the, we're looking at large format areas. We want to be able to do four or 5,000 hectares in a single operation, but at a high resolution at like two, three centimeter resolutions using large format, like phase one cameras, that type of technology and LIDAR from, we, we, we involved a lot with the LIDAR technology from Green Valley where we're the agents for them, where we integrating Green Valley LiDAR systems into our drones also. Okay. And uh, you still operate manned, uh, manned aviation, uh, manned aircraft as well for, for some of the, the uh, assignments? Yes. Yes. We still have, I think, four. Yeah, we've got four uh, manned uh, aircraft. We've got uh, two systems uh, and we've got one... Um, Partenavia, uh, which is uh, our largest aircraft in the fleet, and uh, a Jevaru, uh, which is, a, a, what do they call it, an unlicensed or... Uh, uh, yeah, uncertified. Uncertified yeah. aircraft, yes. But oh. it's proved to be a very successful. It, mm. it was our first challenge to, to, to drone technology was the Jabiru technology. It's a very lightweight, it's an ultralight aircraft, but it's, it's based on a, on a Cessna sort of uh, build. So yeah, it's yeah. a very, very successful aircraft. Yeah, okay. Um, now, going into you in the applications, what, what you actually do uh, with drone technology, um, you, we talked about mapping and surveying. Can you go a little bit more in detail what, what exactly kind of some of the applications are that you're doing? Well, we come from a survey background. So obviously, our initial focus is survey. We do traditional mind mapping, engineering, we we have ventured it now into engineering type more like um engine not we do engineering survey with it obviously but we're actually going into like building inspections we're getting involved with csr on on building on bridge inspections where there's accessibility issues the engineers have to go into rig systems to get down onto the hearts on to the high bridges to actually investigate for fatigue on the bridges so we're now using drone technology to to sort of assist csr with those sort of projects we're getting quite involved in your building um, asset management, which is something a little bit different to what our traditional workload is. And then obviously thermals become quite a big thing because a lot of our a lot of our mines in our area are the fossil fuels. 
So there's a lot of burning and management of old mines. So the thermal is becoming quite a big factor that we we're getting quite involved in with the drone technology. Yeah, and we're also looking at. Um, I mean, we have uh, got the forestry side, uh, which we not only apply drones but also the laser scanning that um, uh, we use to uh, in the forestry field. Uh, Tom, just the the thing about us is we we quite a versatile company. We have a lot of ground survey teams. We have ground-based scanners, laser scanners. We have aerial layers. And, the, and our, our broader scope is, is we're trying to we integrate different solutions for different parts. On most sites, we generally have three different crews on there. We've got laser scanning crews, we've got drone crews, and we've got manned aircraft because we still have a belief that each, play, each tool has a different uh, set of uh, skill sets. And we're finding that a mixture of the different technologies is proving to be the most successful sort of... Um, way to deal with solutions that are required in the industry yeah i see um now of course this is a this is a, a drone business uh review business talk in a way so can you talk us a little bit more uh vincent about the the, the, the certain metrics some of the numbers that you, you you can you can tell us how many flights uh, how are happening yearly uh, and so on uh, can you give us some some insight on metrics yeah, I think uh, we literally have uh, about eight or nine flights basically taking uh, place every single day. Uh, we do a lot of um, uh, blast uh, video, uh, blast videos because most of the sites that we are on um, uh, blast, uh, uh, you know, almost on a daily basis. And um, uh, we, our company literally works 24-7 because uh, some of the uh, thermal uh, mapping can only be done uh, when it's a bit colder, uh, which is the early hours of the morning. So you find that our drone teams are on site and doing that type of thermal uh, imaging. Um, I think that is uh, we, what we've done is that we've made drones a very integral part of uh, the customers um, mapping safety, environmental, and you know, uh, basically satisfying as many needs as possible uh, on the mine site. Um, I would say that the the other uh, work that comes in maybe comes in once or twice a month. That is more engineering, uh, which is your bridge surveys and those type of things. So. I'd say on a daily basis that uh, we've got probably about uh, six or seven aircraft in the air uh, that fly multiple missions. And that is where uh, I'd say that um, uh, compliance to, to certain rules and regulations becomes very important because you've got a lot of uh, pilots out there in some of the most remote sites and um, that's why we decided that we're going to use Hydronec as a tool to be able to have situational awareness of what our people are doing on the ground all the time uh, so that we do stay within the, um, uh, the, the, the confines of the law. And we also manage our fatigue and our, and our assets in the most efficient of ways. Yeah, that, thank you. Thank you for mentioning that, because this was actually going to be my next question. That is, 
especially if you have an operation that has so many uh, aircraft in the air daily, works with several people, and you're you're scattered around really all, all over not only South Africa but also Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, uh, Angola, and, and so on. Uh, with having those remote operations, um, in order to um, let's say scale your operation, how much does efficiency um, play a role? Uh, meaning, can an increment in efficiency deliver a bigger added value towards your operation? I would say yes, because if you think about it, Tom, uh, there's a lot of um, pre-flight uh, you know, activities that have to be done. There is a lot of post-flight activities that have to be done. Uh, there's a lot of paperwork. One of the biggest uh, things about our business is that uh, we are in a highly regulated and compliance-driven uh, field. Not only do we work in aviation, which is highly regulated, but we also have to deal with uh, mines, which are extremely uh, regulated. So the combination of the, of the two uh, creates um, you know, a very uh, difficult uh, environment to, to work in. So efficiency is, is very important that a, a pilot is able to arrive on site, be able to do a, you know, all the paperwork as quickly as possible, get into the air, acquire the data and be able to move on to the next site. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Vincent, for that for that clear answer. Um, you mentioned that it, in terms of difficulty, what would you say is the is the biggest challenge for for your for your business of Premier Mapping? Uh, and then maybe take it take it one step beyond. What would be the biggest challenge for the drone industry in South Africa? It's a, it's a very broad question. Yeah. There's a lot of challenges uh, when it comes to the drone technology and um, us as a company, when it comes to obviously keeping it fairly simple, we're looking at simple things like understanding the technology, where the pitfalls are. And this is with acquiring more and more data. We're starting to learn where the strengths and weaknesses are in the technology, why they fall, when they fall, how to manage it, how to mitigate it, create lines of, of control to be able to manage it as a sort of where the certification comes in, in aviation in general, is getting that certification in from, from an aviation point of view into drones. And obviously that only comes with time with the amount of hours that you do and understanding those hours and getting data for those hours that you can actually analyze and start ending up with actual numbers to verify your findings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys are in uh, what they call ROC uh, to, to South African drone rules, which, which means uh, Remote Pilot Aircraft System Operator Certificate, which means that you're the, the highest level of commercial operator. How much did it help you that you were already into the aviation uh, industry with, with your fixed, uh, fixed wing and manned aircraft? In order to get your ROC, was that was that a big advantage, or was it still was it still uh, learning from from day one? I think the mindset was easier for us because we come from an aviation mindset, so that helped us. But when it came to the actual processes, it wasn't a significant assistance because the technology is quite different to the the, the traditional manned aviation. Uh, it assisted us with 
small portions of, of the actual process. But it, I think it was the mindset mostly is understanding why these protocols are put in place, which was what was a lot of the people found to be very, very onerous is to understand why. And obviously the reason for all of this is, is safety. We're moving into an environment that's managed very well. So we have to accept those, those managements and, um, and deal with them in an orderly fashion. Yeah, I see. Now, um, last year or, or still this year, 2020, of course, very challenging year with, with COVID-19. Uh, COVID um, how, how did it impact your business? What is, uh, some say that it was actually not too bad for the drone industry, uh, but how, how was it for you? What, what happened in 2020 to your, uh, to your business? I think uh, we went into a very hard lockdown when literally nobody was allowed to move or to do anything. Uh, and uh, we, because we were regarded as essential services because we service the mines that provide the coal, that provide the, the electricity for everyone, we were allowed to then be able to move and do some of the work, even though it was not at the level that we would, we would naturally do at, uh, we would work at. And I think uh, the main aviation part was also very difficult because all, uh, all the flights were grounded, uh, but we managed to get special permissions in a way to, to be able to do some of the work due to our link to the, to the electricity grid. Um, but I think we sort of uh, picked up. Uh, we, 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 we put the, 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 the whole thing behind us. As the mining industry also started going back to work, we were able to, to, to work a, a, a bit more. I think with the drones, it was easier because um, uh, once a person is on site, they can do multiple missions. What was difficult for us was sending manned aircraft out. Um, so I think your statement in saying that uh, for the drone industry, it wasn't too bad. It's a, it's a bit accurate, but the other problem that we had was obviously sourcing things like batteries, like um, uh, you know, getting key components into the country during lockdown. Uh, because the whole world was in lockdown, I mean, uh, May, April, um, around that time. So it was very difficult to acquire some of the things. But as you know, um, you know, down here, we make a plan and we, we sort of had to, uh, to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, we had to survive. Exactly. Exactly. Um, now... 2020 anything anything new anything new in your in your fleet what is what is next for premier uh, the next step well we i did mention earlier about us developing our own VTOL drone which is called the cullen we've got uh, we've at the moment completed our uh, 350 and a 290 which is our different stages um like i said our focus at this stage is for um High, for for high accuracy survey oriented thing, it does drone definitely will lend itself to the surveillance sort of world. We're not looking at that at this stage. Our focus is very much on survey, and then we're basically looking at the future. 
where manned aviation won't be used for survey eventually. You know, there, there will time come that time. It will probably be still many years from now. But this is basically our first early step towards that, where we're developing drones that can start achieving large areas at high accuracies, carrying bigger sensors, sensors that can be balanced correctly, controlled correctly in, 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 in a longer flight times. Because uh, what we found with the, the, the most of the, 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 the fixed wing drones, um, they can't carry good sensors. You know, the, the weight is an issue. So we're trying to develop a drone that can carry good sensors so that we can start doing these larger areas that with the plan to phase out manned aircraft. But I mean, we just recently purchased another manned aircraft. So we still see this as a long progression, but we're basically engaging with CIA. We, we're busy developing a sensor. Well, we, we've got a sense and avoid system within the aircraft. Um, what's it? Uh, uh, Iris. Iris system where we'll be able to then potentially have a 10 kilometer from base license where we'll be able beyond visual to 10Ks. That's what we're hoping to achieve from CA. That's what we're going to demonstrate early next year. And hopefully they will allow us to start with a 10K. And the plan is to eventually have it where we fly 300Ks, whatever the, the capabilities of the aircraft is. And, and we fully integrate into general aviation. And that's our drive is, is for that type of technology to come. And we want to be part of that. So the plan is beyond visual line, uh, with a range up to 300 kilometers, 2021, or is that, is that too no. short? No. 2021 is 10 Ks. No. And then uh, we'll see where it goes from there. We're going to take this fairly cautiously and safely. So I think to get to 300 kilometers is going to take up to five years. I think that's still going to be quite a while before general aviation will be ready for drones that are doing that legally. I know there are illegal drones doing that, but <laughs> doing it legally is a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, when uh, when you're listening when you're listening to to the podcast, of course, you will not be able to see. By the way, you can you can see these uh, these interviews as well on our website. But behind um, Robin and uh, and Vincent, there is a very nice looking uh, cupboard, or or should I say, already part of a museum, maybe uh, with old technology. Can you tell us a little bit more about that there? Yeah, well, we actually have quite an extensive museum. This is about 20% uh, of our museum. Each of our offices have cabinets similar to this. Our one office has about five or six cabinets. And we've been fortunate. Uh, we, we, a lot of this instrumentation, the one in the top right above Vince, closest to Vince, and that's actually a telerometer, which is the first basis of GPS. That was actually the first tools that were used to measure sound waves to get measurements. And next to that was the next, was a just... The, the one in between with the little, that looks like uh, my kids call it a Wally from the cartoons. Um, that was actually the first instrument ever bought by the company. And it, it still works today. It's still accurate to about seven, um, I think it's one second and it's got a, a constant error of 17 seconds, which is fixed on its, on its compass. So it's a very accurate tool. And we've been lucky within our industry and our circle of friends, we've permanently been given instruments because we're so passionate about it. So our museum has grown through the years to quite an extensive museum, which uh, makes it very lucky for us. And yeah, and we just recently acquired a whole lot of cameras from one of our employees that we've now got. And we've got some beautiful camera equipment to add to it. And we also got a whole, I think we've got 15 old film cameras that we're slowly putting into our museum also, all the way from a, an RC8 all the way over the years as we were purchasing new drones. So our, our museum is quite extensive. <laughs> no, very nice. And, uh, and, 
and the drones are starting to add to it also we've already got our first few drones in our museum <laughs> yeah very exciting well uh, i must say uh thank you thank you vincent and and robin for for sharing the story of of premier mapping i must say truly uh uh, it's it's very exciting to talk to one of the pioneers of of unmanned aviation um and and to see what you guys have been doing over the years and that you're still looking forward to to the next 5 years where you're going beyond visual line of sight with with uh, hyper uh, efficient drones that you that you manufacture yourself uh i i learned a lot uh thank you very much for uh, for being on here um and uh yeah well anything else to say at the end uh, that you would like to share no uh, just a thank you back to thank you. you so much appreciate the invites uh no problem no problem well uh that's it for the second episode of drone business talk uh again i thank uh, robin and vincent from premier mapping africa and i look forward to seeing you or hearing you on next episode till next time Fly safe. Drone Business Talk is brought to you by iDroneX, the drone management platform. iDroneX makes it easy to fly professional drones in safe, legal, and profitable way. iDroneX clears the air so you can focus on your mission and fly more.